Hello, and welcome back to the Quarter Poundling. I'm your host, Timmy. I just got out of Thor, Love, and Thunder. And let me tell you, I know that my previous video on Thor, Love, and Thunder was all about how when fans asked Taikai Watiti and Naoi Pullman how gay the movie was, and they responded, super gay, I accused them of being groomers. I, I realized that. But now that I have seen Full Love and Thunder, I can now say that the amount of gayness was severely overhyped. I know, I know. You, I normally would take a movie apart to try and prove to you their gay woke agenda. But here, I have to say, I think what it really was, was, was rainbow corporatism. Now don't get me wrong, all the Thor movies have had a ton of rainbows in them. Even the first four movie has rainbows in it. And then you got the second movie with the rainbows in it. They all got rainbows. So Thor, already a little gay. Also, he's super hot. And you know, normally in the straight stuff, we make the women super hot. Okay, just saying. But just to be clear, I am underwhelmed with the amount of gayness in Thor, Love, and Thunder. Okay, I went into this thing, and they had promised it would be super gay. So I'm sitting there in the theater, and I'm waiting for it to get gay. And I'm just, I'm waiting. And like, like, I'm just waiting so hard. And my, my, like, I'm just swabbing with anticipation for the gay stuff. And like, you can, like, you in the temples of my head. Just borderline painful swabbing as I'm waiting to unleash a torrent of outrage at the gayness. <clears throat> and then... The movie goes on, and there's just not a whole lot of gayness. I mean, we do see, we do see Thor naked, uh, which, which I almost count as gayness, but, you know, it was mostly women who were having a reaction to his bare penis. So, it's actually straight. Although I will admit, I did get my hopes up in that moment that it would get super gay, and it did not. I had, forcing, so I had to force down my expectations at that moment to wait for the, my torrent of frustration and anger to be unleashed by the gayness. I was fully prepared in this movie to make a scene in the theater and be asked to weave. Possibly by security. But then, I got my hopes up that there would be some gayness. I was willing to settle for woman-on-woman -woman action to make my basic points about traditional values. But there was none. There were a couple of jokes about how Valkyrie was on Teen Jane, and it was implied that she was talking about bisexuality. And do we mention that Valkyrie has girlfriends? Yeah, but they're all dead. It's very What? They're not in the movie. They didn't kiss anybody. That's not going to release anyone's taunts. Confused outrage, with a little bit of confusion. No, no confusion. Where was I? Oh wait, okay. So, I mean, is Korg technically have two dads? Yes, yes. So that's, so that's kind of gay. But it's kind of implied in the society that everyone has two dads, and my traditionalist brain does not know how to interpret that information. It's very confusing. I, I, I don't know what to do with it. But anyways, the movie proceeds, 
and it. It, it's a, well, if you like Fort Wagner Walk, then it's, it's kind of like Fort Wagner Walk. And, uh, but the point is, it they, they oversold the gay. I was there, waiting in the theaters for the gay, and it just, there was never two sweaty men kissing each other or nothing. They didn't even have the ladies kiss. And I, so I'm just sitting here with my throbbing temples in a movie theater waiting to unleash my torrent of, of anger and, and righteous traditional values all over the theater and there's just no gay stuff to do it. It's just, take it with you to lie to get that money. That's the thing, they're just trying to sell the movie to the LGBTQ peoples. And that's, that's what I have to say about that. Oh no. Okay, I have to sign off, guys, now. My mom's car is pulling back into the driveway, and I told her I would clean the living room, and I did nothing. Okay, I've got to go. Okay, don't feel too... All right, just... When she gets in here, just remind yourself you are... You are nearly 40 years old, and your mother should respect you as a man. All right, let's go. Welcome to the show. Alright, welcome back to Ruben Uncut. I'm Ruben. Here we are. We're going to be talking about Thor Love and Thunder. Because I saw it, and I'll be honest, I have mixed feelings on the movie overall. But to my surprise, the overall opinion, for those of you who just want to decide if you want to see the movie now, is that I actually, actually really enjoyed it. Well, not really enjoyed it. There were some things that I found frustrating but I figured out ways to make myself okay with them, if that makes any sense. Alright, so let's talk about Thor Love and Thunder. This is the non-spoilery part. I'm gonna do a thing today where I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and put an ad in the middle between spo I'm gonna try and move the ad from the front to the middle. So it indicates what part of the video well, audio, whatever, uh, is spoiler free okay i mean i technically with the opening sketch there i did give away the fact that Korg has two dads if you consider that a spoiler i apologize if i if i also spoiled the fact that you were hoping that the movie would be gayer i, I spoiled that a little bit the movie is decently gay but to say that it's super gay is ridiculous when eternals exists which features an actual gay relationship in it so eternals is arguably gayer than this movie which just sort of makes jokes that imply gayness. I mean, there's a quick cut of Korg's two dads, <laughs> but that's about the extent of it. For those who don't know, uh, there was a video, I think it went viral. Well, I mean, it's part of marketing. So can we ever say marketing has gone viral? Is it more like marketing that doesn't go viral is unsuccessful marketing? I don't know. Uh, but the point is, there was a video from some kind of... Uh, I, I don't know where it was, but basically fans had an opportunity to ask questions to Taika and and Natalie and uh, I think, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting her name right now and I'm, I, I, she's such a good actor. God damn it. But I feel like I'm going to, I'm, I, the problem is I have someone else's name stuck in my head and I know it's not their name, but you know who I'm talking, Valkyrie, the girl who plays Valkyrie. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Okay, anyways, she's great and, uh, but, 
but the point is that three of them are in front of these fans and they're asking questions. And someone asked how gay the movie is. And Ty, I think Taikai throws it over to Natalie. And Natalie says, it's super gay. And I'm sorry, but I just have to say, the movie is only decently gay. It's gayer than most Disney things. And, but significantly, in my opinion, and I'm not necessarily the person to judge this thing, and I didn't mean to get on a thing about this right now, but you know what? It's happening. So, I just meant to make it a joke in the opening thing. But I think Eternals is gayer. I'm sorry. It has a real gay relationship where they, like, have a fan, where he has, like, a gay, where he has, like, a, a husband, and, and, and they have a family together, and he has to worry about his, his husband and his kids. It, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I don't understand what we're defining as, as gay. Is it just having tons of rainbows in your movie? I don't know. My point is, is that I was oversold on the gayness. Anyways. <clears throat> Rainbow capitalism, y'all. Anyways, okay. So, I actually in enjoy the movie a good bit, which is only confusing to me, because uh, I don't really... I'm not super big on Thor Ragnarok. I mean, it's okay. I don't hate it. I don't think it's a badly constructed film or anything. Okay, I do have some criticisms that I would say are directed to it as a film, but generally speaking, Thor Ragnarok succeeds at what he wants to do. It's just not doing anything that I personally can get terribly excited about. And I will say that if I have one complaint about this movie, it is definitely that Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder present Thor as a dumbass. And, like, I, at a certain point, that becomes part of his charm. But at the beginning of the movie, I was kind of like, oh, I hope this ends with him dying. But, like, as the movie went on, it, it he did pull me back. They pulled me back in. So, to briefly summarize, because this is the non-spoiler version... There's a guy called Gore, the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale. And basically, he has, he has set himself up to go on a mission through the universe where he kills all the gods because he has come into possession of an item called the Necrosword, which has the power to kill gods. And basically, it makes him super, it makes him super powerful. And gives him, like, shadow monster powers. But basically, he's played by Christian Bale. And honestly, if there's anything that sold me on this movie, it was Gore the God Butcher as Christian Bale. Now, there have been some complaints made that the film should have done... Could have had more scenes in it where Gore the God Butcher kills more gods. And I, I mean, I understand and agree with this complaint. I mean, overall, I agree with this complaint. It was not a thing I felt while I was watching the movie. But, in hindsight, it does feel like a severe missed opportunity to explore things with his character. Or at least give us that part of his, of his story to demonstrate his power. But it was not a thing I noticed during the movie. And I'll explain that more in the spoiler thing.
So, Gore the God Butcher wants to kill all the gods. This is obviously going to bring him into conflict with, you know, Thor. Thor becomes aware of him. He returns to Asgard to protect his people from Gore the God Butcher. Because the Asgardians are kind of all gods. If you think about it, yeah. Um, so then... And so basically it becomes Thor's journey to stop Gore the God Butcher along with all his friends. Now, the other important part of this story though, and, I, and honestly, there were two things that really like pulled me into this film and worked for me. Even though at the end I did find it predictable. But anyways, and those things are Gore the God Butcher and Jane Foster. Jane Foster as the Mighty Thor. These were the things that really worked for me throughout the film, to be honest. Jane Foster's story of her struggle with... Because this is the big thing, and this is like the first thing we're going to learn when we see her in the film, is that she, her character has cancer. And she... And basically, once a long time ago, Thor told his hammer to always protect Jane Foster. So, Jane Foster has comes into possession of the hammer, which works for her because he was told to protect her and give her the powers of, and it gives her the power of Thor. And so she's basically going around as Thor. And, and I gotta be honest, I really like Natalie Portman as Mighty Thor. I really thought it, it pulled me into the movie. Christian Bale and Natalie Portman in this movie were really what worked for me. Tessa Thompson. That is her name. Sorry. Just had that moment there. Okay. Tessa Thompson is Valkyrie. Now, Tessa Thompson, I think, is great, and she does a good job in the film, but I will say that there's not a super focus on her uh, throughout the film. I mean, we get... The most we get is really this scene where we see her being like king of Asgard and uh, and that's cool but she is ultimately a supporting character in a story that is about uh, Thor and Jane Foster the other Thor and basically the whole story is about them trying to save the world from Gore the God Butcher um, who's on a quest to end all gods and he very much looks like he's going to achieve that and so that's the basic premise of what the movie's about. Now, let's talk about my personal relationship with the Thor universe so you can understand where I'm coming from. So, I, I don't know why people don't like this movie, but honestly, one of my favorite MCU movies is the first Thor movie. I am not kidding you. I love that movie. That movie is awesome. I honestly don't know what people don't like about it. I think it's very cool. I honestly think it's near flawless as far as an MCU movie goes. And it's one of the few MCU movies that doesn't have a... Sh and, like, it's one of those... A phase one movie where the third act isn't stupid. The third act is the an emotional uh, cataclysm between Thor and his brother Loki on the bridge. It's great. I don't understand... I don't understand why people don't like that movie. And I like Thor of the Dark World is okay. 
it's got a lot of problems, but like, it's also got stuff in it that's pretty enjoyable. Thor and Loki together are a pretty solid combo, even in that movie. And even with its troubled production, you know, it was still good. Ish. I mean, it's got problems. But I liked it. It's, I don't think it's that terrible. Certainly watchable. It Does it live up to other? Was it probably a low point in the series at that point? I mean, sure, but that low point, but at that point, the series, like, at that point, the series was pretty high. Like, I mean, the MCU in general. Well, let's move on. I'm not really here to talk about Thor The Dark World. <clears throat> I'm here to talk about Thor Ragnarok. But you need to understand that I was someone who was on board with the... And I don't normally... I can't really... don't even really feel like it's appropriate to say more serious Thor movies. I was on board with them. I thought what they were doing was pretty cool. And then... Thor Love and Thunder happened. The thing is, is that even though I liked those movies, apparently, somehow, the fan base had relegated them to being the the Thor movies to being the weak part of the MCU, a thing I really don't understand. But the move they went with was to take it in a different direction and make it funny. Which is weird, because all MCU movies are funny. Almost all, all MCU movies could be defined as action comedies. Like, all of them have some level of comedy and humor. Don't be wrong. And they might say, Ruben, all movies have some things that's funny in them a little bit. Which, which I would say, to an extent, sure. But, like, this is always a thing where it's on a spectrum. And Taika Waititi... Taika Waititi, like, if we're on a spectrum of seriousness, at one end, we got Steve McQueen, the director, not the actor, and at the other end, we got Taika Waititi, in terms of how serious a film is going to be. I don't know if that's a fair depiction of Steve McQueen. <laughs> I've only seen one, I think I've only seen, like, two of his movies. And, well, they were pretty serious. I, I have not seen all his movies. So maybe that's an unfair comparison. But the point is, Taika Waititi is the furthest thing from serious. He is a comedic writer, and I'll be honest, Thor Ragnarok was the first thing I'd ever been exposed to of what Taika Waititi has made as a director. I have recently um, been more exposed to things like the show that he produces uh, for FX, what we do in the shadows, and I also recently uh, watched all of that Our Flag Means Death show. And that, which I actually gotta say, is pretty good. And I, Taika Waititi himself, as Blackbeard, is the person who sold me on that show. When he came into that show, I was like, okay, it's it's great. We're gonna watch this all. So I have no disrespect to Taika Waititi or his brand of comedy. However, Thor Ragnarok was a huge adjustment from someone who already had the emotional investment in previous Thor movies. Which is really what a bunch of this, really what, what uh, franchise runners need to start getting their minds around is emotional investment is really what sells these types of movies and maintains their longevity. But anyways, Taika Waititi uh, took a very, 
Well, basically, see, the first Thor movies, there was always humor in them focused around the fact that Thor, on the human world, is a fish out of water. He doesn't know our customs, he doesn't know what to expect, and this is true of also him in the Avengers movies. And that's sort of where the comedy of him comes from. However, with uh, Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder, it's very clear that uh, he just, the direction we're going in now is that Thor is stupid that Thor is just not a bright guy, that he is just a pretty dumbass who happens to... You know, he just, he just good-looking and dumb. That's his character now. I gotta be honest, if I have anyone complain with these two movies, it's kind of that. It's kind of that. And it... which is, which is frustrating. Another thing I'll say is that this is one of those weird movies where there's a lot of takes that are in the trailer that are different from takes that are in the movies. Specifically, like, some punchlines here and there from the trailers are different than the movies. And a couple of times I was like, eh, it was funnier in the trailer. And why did you change it? So that's, that's also a thing i got to say here. Now, a lot of people have talked about the pacing in Thor, Love and Thunder, and i got to be honest, I actually didn't, don't know if I had a problem with the pacing. I would have to watch it again to be certain how I feel about the pacing um, in terms of my complaints. But uh, as of the first viewing, I didn't have a major issue with the pacing. I will say, yeah, no, I would totally be down for this movie to have more Christian Bale in it. Um, in terms of the, now, to be fair, I will say that technically anymore we, I do, th I do think it'd be great if we had those more scenes with Christian Bale, but I will say in terms of tight-knit storytelling, the film contains everything we need to know about gore for the confines of the movie itself in its overall story as it's focused on Thor. But you're right. It would have been cool to see Gore go on more of a rampage. What? A, okay, what else can I mention here without getting into spoiler territory? Um, the visuals are kind of a mixed bag. Would be another complaint that I have. There are various points in the film where it looks awesome. And then there's other points where I'm looking at the film and I'm like... The CGI feels five or six years old. And so, like, that was kind of inconsistent. And it kind of had a lot to do with more artistic choices, like, the, like there's a battle in a world that's, like, black and white, and the only thing that produces colors are, are the weapons the good guys are carrying. And that part looks dope. Like, really cool. Like, kind of like some Zack Snyder shit. Uh, and, uh... And then there's other parts where it's kind of like... Uh, it just feels like the CGI is a couple steps behind where it should be. Not so bad that it ruined the film or anything or took me out of it, but there were parts of the film where I was just kind of underwhelmed by what I was seeing. Visually. And it's kind of like, oh, it's a big CGI room, they're all just on a green screen. Like... But that being said, there are parts of the movie that look genuinely great. 
so it's a little inconsistent on that on that front. I will say I found most of the movie funny. Um, some of the gags maybe not necessary, and uh, some of it is pretty stupid. Some of the gags are pretty stupid. Like there's a whole thing. No, nah, I won't. I won't get into that right now. I'm just. That's all I'll say on that. You can decide for yourself which ones are the stupid ones. And, uh, yeah. I think that's actually all I can say without getting into spoilers. Um, so, yeah. I actually really did enjoy the film. I, I will acknowledge some of the complaints that people have had about the movie. But in all honesty, the story actually pulled me in more than Ragnarok. I, in fact, I would actually say that comparably, I like this more than Ragnarok. Now, to be fair, I'm not a huge fan of Ragnarok, and actually, one of my main one of my major complaints with Ragnarok, in terms of it as a film, this movie improves upon like tenfold. Don't get me wrong; I think Kate Blanchett is great, uh, but Hella was severely under like developed. You know, the MCU just doing that thing. Where instead of like writing out an actual villain character, they just get a really prestigious actor to throw them into it and see if they can just breathe life into it. Like, I mean, I understand that that worked for Tom Hiddleston in The Avengers as Loki, but like, it's not, in terms of the writing of that, I don't agree with it, but that's not a problem here. Gore the God Butcher is pretty great. Like, don't get wrong, the movie could have more of him. Like, Ragnarok really needed more of Kate Blanchett in some way to, like, just give her more character. But Gore the God Butcher opens strong enough that it can kind of carry his character through most of the film. I will, before I get into spoilers, I'm not going to say what it is here, but I will say that the ending is kind of predictable. It's predictable in a kind of, like... It's predictable... It's predictable in a way that some audience members won't mind that it was predictable because it's at a certain point it's kind of how you want the film to end. Well, kind of. One part of it. Another part of it you're probably going to be like, no. But, uh, but like, certain parts of the ending are very predictable. Um, so I, I got to say that. I, it's not that I minded how it ended, but, like, there was, like, I saw, like, I called the ending, like, I called the ending almost as soon as I understood what Gore's plan was. I was like, oh, that's what's gonna happen. Uh, except I would have actually, I would have done it, I personally would have done the ending slightly differently, and I'll get into that in spoilers. I understand why they did it this way, because it sells... No, actually, you know what? The way they do it's better. <laughs> My way, just funnier to me. Um, but, like, I understand that, like, thematically, the way they did it makes sense with the what they were doing thematically. Or would my way... I think my way would still... Could still be worked into the theme. Maybe it would just be less obvious. All right, anyways. So, overall, Thor Love and Thunder, non-spoiler version here... I was pleasantly surprised. The film has its flaws, its faults, its things that uh, 
don't really uh, don't really get me too jazzed. But uh, overall, I actually had a good time. Relative, like, even if there were parts that made me like cringe a bit, like overall, I thought the story was cool. The conflict, uh, the relationship between Thor and Jane Foster, it was a nice grounding element with with serious stakes. Like Jane Foster's character has actual stakes. And that sort of balances out the more grandiose stakes that are presented by Gore the God Butcher. But even Gore the God Butcher, as far as the villain goes, is kind of like... He is simultaneously one of the more sympathetic villains, but also one of the most terrifying. I thought Gore the God Butcher, as far as an MCU villain goes, is pretty good. Hats off to Christian Bale, who may be uh, a weirdo, but uh, he is an extremely talented actor. All right. So, if I do this right in the editing, right now there should be an ad, and then after that, what's hilarious is an ad for Anchor. It's just me talking about Anchor. But, but, after that ad, if you've already seen Thor Love and Thunder, Stick around to hear me talk about my feelings and thoughts so far on the spoilery stuff. Okay, here we go. Alright, you're in the spoiler section now. Uh, spoilers, 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 spoilers. No, I can't do that the whole time. Okay, anyways, let's go. Alright, so Thor Ragnar... So, I keep doing that. Thor Love and Thunder opens up with... The story, uh, with basically the origin story for Gore the God Butcher. And Gore the God Butcher is a very devout man who we fought, who we see with his child starving to death on a barren planet as he prays and prays and prays that the gods will save him and his daughter, nourish them, feed them, give them water, something to keep them alive, to keep his daughter alive that he loves. And the gods never do shit. So his daughter dies in the desert. He can't keep her alive. And then he, he wanders. He hears, he hears something calling to him across the desert. And he finds himself wandering across the desert. And he finds himself suddenly in, a, in an oasis. And he like he immediately bathes himself in the water. Just get that water in through his skin and his, his pores. And he... And he suddenly, he sees a pile of fruit, and he's nomming down on the fruit. And he looks up, and there's, there's his God looking down at him. And his God is making fun of him. And saying, like, what is this, what is this animal eating my fruit? My food. And, it, and the God has all these weird, mini, magical, like, beings around him who are his, like, his court or something. And basically, like, his God's like, Nah, man, I never made a, I never made an afterlife for you bitches. There's, there's no heaven. I didn't. You're just gonna die, son. Yeah, your kid's just dead. And uh, so Gore gets mad and says he's no longer a follower of the god. Of course, this pisses that god off, and he grabs Thor and lifts him up. And Thor, and just he's gonna. I'm sorry, Gore. That's <laughs> gonna fuck me up. 
he lifts Gore up and and the Necro sword calls to Gore. Gore grabs. The, wait, you if you if you're in this part, hopefully you've seen this part of the movie. If you're listening to this, but basically, he's, he stabs the shit out of him, and he becomes Gore the God Butcher. And goes on a quest to murder all gods. And honestly, um, this part's great. Like, when I came into this movie, like, what I had been told is that this film would... That, it, it sounded like this movie was going to make me cringe a lot with a lot of, like, poorly placed humor. And I'll, I'll say there's, there, is those, there are those moments in the film. But honestly, I didn't feel that in this opening sequence. This opening sequence with God the Gore, uh, with Gore the God Butcher and his origin story, they never pull away from, from the dramatic element of it. You could say that it's kind of like the God himself and his... It's, I don't consider them funny, they're just imaginative. I, there's nothing in here that took away from the pain that Christian Bale was emoting or like the dramatic nature of his situation. Um, it, it, there just wasn't that it it worked, and like I understand why they went with a more why they went with a more human looking gore here, because uh, because Christian Bale does a lot of acting with his face, <laughs> and if you covered that up with prosthetics, we would we would lose a lot of that. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but like I thought this opening scene was great. Really good. It pulled me in right away. After that, we immediately went to Thor, hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, the thing that has allowed me to accept how stupid the movie is at times is to understand that this film is the story being told from the perspective of Korg, the rock man. So, this, so like that makes it easier for me. Because one of the hardest things about this movie, and I had this thought while I was watching in certain parts of the film, it's like... You know, this would be a lot easier to get into if I wasn't expected to believe that this was taking place in the MCU. Where things aren't always this stupid. But at a certain point, like, once it clicked into my brain that this is, oh, this is the story according to Korg, it's probably going to be dumb. This is probably, the, this is the way he sees these people and these events. And that allowed me to... Once I, like, narratively ingested that, allowed me to sink more easily in to how ridiculous and stupid the film I was watching was. Because at various points, the film is ridiculous and stupid. But not in a bad, stupid way, to be fair. In kind of a fun, stupid way. So, like I said, we... <clears throat> he's, he's hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's, that stuff's pretty fun. Um, like, I like the idea that, like, when he's hanging out with them... Like, he kind, he's kind of a pain in the ass for them. <laughs> like, and they only basically keep him around because he is capable of, when need be, just, like, one-manning the show and crushing anything that's a threat to them. Because he is basically this universe's Superman. So, as the film proceeds. Uh, but basically... Well, it's hanging out with them, and that, the opening sequence with him is pretty funny, although it is predictable in a funny way. I mean, it, 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 it's funny, but it is predictable. Like, at a certain point, like, it doesn't take much to go like, oh, he's going to wreck their fucking glass temples, isn't he? Because he does. And I'll be honest, in this sequence, 
this was a fun action scene. But, like, there was also a part of it where I was kind of like, oh, God, Thor's just an obnoxious piece of shit dude, isn't he? Ugh. Like, at this point, I was... At this point in the movie, I was kind of like, you know what, I just... I fucking hope Natalie Portman becomes the new Thor, because, you know, we've had enough of this... this dumb himbo shit. Self-obsessedness. Like... We, we could stand to have Jane Foster. That'd be... I'd be, I'd be down to watch some of those movies. I mean, if you're listening to this part, then you know we won't. Because she dies of cancer. Damn it! That part is well done. But in all honesty, I would have watched her in more movies. Like, the thing that made this movie work for me was their relationship. <clears throat> when the story was about them... It was kind of a funny, cute, superhero rom-com thing. And their relationship was strong enough. And Natalie Portman's a good enough actor to, like, really elevate that shit a little bit up from the ridiculousness. Oh, my God. Why do I keep wanting to do that? I keep wanting to call Tessa Thompson Emma Thompson. And I, every time I know that's not, that's not right. Damn them having the same last name. Um, but so... So yeah, there, there's some fun stuff, and we get their background on their story. Tessa Thompson and Korg made up make up the uh, make up the Thor team in this movie, and that's pretty cool. But like the thing is, like I said, Tessa Thompson really is here as the support. Like, and don't get me wrong, she's great in the movie. Valkyrie is great, and Valkyrie has some nice moments. But the story is not really about her. <clears throat> the story is not technically about Korg either. Oh, it is spelled with a K. Uh, but Korg, uh, like I said, is the storyteller. So he's a little bit more central than Valkyrie, even if he is not a focus, if that makes any sense. Kind of like what I was talking about in my 300 video. So, but anyways, um, let's, so... Let me, okay, well, I'm just going to cut to this, because this is the thing I really want to talk to talk about, because this was a part of the movie I had severely mixed feelings about, which was the uh, Russell Crowe's Zeus. Like, I get what they were doing, but Jesus Christ did I want him to die. I mean, Russell Crowe, I mean, don't get me wrong, he does a good job. But Zeus in this universe, complete douche. Like, total trash god. Like, like there was a certain point in the scene where Thor is talking to Zeus where I was just like, oh my god, I really want Gore the God Butcher to just come into this building and kill as many people as possible. Like, there was a part of me that was rooting for that to happen. And I know why it didn't happen, because of setting up the end credit scene, which actually, I'll admit, was kind of cool. Actually, you know what? Both the end credit scenes of this movie was good. I'll say that. They weren't what I was expecting, but they were both good. In fact, honestly, the last one makes the... The last one of Natalie Portman going into Valhalla and the scene that there is a Viking heaven, which is actually kind of fucked up because it means the only way to go to heaven is to die in battle. But this... <laughs> it, Gore's God didn't make a heaven. You know who did? The Vikings. Uh... <laughs> But, uh, uh, where was, 
but Zeus is a piece of shit. Like, it works. I see what they're doing with Russell Crowe, but, like, wow. What a, what a piece of shit god that Zeus was. Oh, my God. That being said, I kind of would like to see a Hercules versus Thor movie. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. Thor versus Hercules. Come on. If you're going to do these... If you're going to do fun and dumb, you can't get any funner and dumber than that. Why not? Uh, but, uh, so... So, yeah. So, Russell Crowe is Zeus. Uh, it was very satisfying when Thor threw that lightning bolt through his chest. I was like, okay, I can live with that one. I can live with that one. Good for you, Thor. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. So, I want to get that I wanted to get that out of my system. But uh How do I Yeah, where was Okay. What else can I cover here in the spoilers? Okay. In terms of the action, uh, the action scenes are really relatively cool. I feel like Taika Waititi watches Zack Snyder movies, um, just based on a few of them. Whether it's the uh, the gold Spartans getting cut to pieces and bleeding gold all over the the one planet, or the uh, the black and white with limited colors scene on on the planet on the uh, on that fucking necro planet not really necro planet but like you know what planet i'm talking about if you're watching this li listening to this part and if you're if you are listening to this part and you haven't seen the movie yet well that's but uh oh i will say if there was one part of this movie that i thought was cute but um we could have totally cut out of it to or at least shortened to uh to put in more of something more uh meaningful to the story it's gotta be the fake play the fake play that reenacts the 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 one part from Thor Ragnarok, I I mean it's cute and I I get that we're carrying through the joke from the previous movie, but uh, if there was anything in this film that I felt like could have been cut out, either to make the film shorter or to put in something else, anything else, it'd be that. I don't get me wrong, Luke Hemsworth, Matt Damon, Melissa McCarthy, uh, cameos, that's cool, it's cool, but. Uh, uh, felt unnecessary. Also, props off to bringing back Lady Sif. People, fans have been mentioning Lady Sif for a while, so it was cool that you brought it back. Actually, in certain weird ways, this film is kind of like redemptions for character who's who kind of got screwed over by Thor: The Dark World, um, by making Natalie Portman's character so cool and whatnot, and uh, also. Uh, the ladies bringing back Lady Sif and even setting up that thing at Asgard at the end with her. That was cool. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about the final act. Alright, the final act has a lot of things going on. Uh, there's the part where Thor pulls a total of Shazam and gives his powers to a bunch of kids. Now, I have heard some people be like, well, some people have said that he's able to do this because of the lightning bolt. I don't know if that actually makes sense. And some people have said 
Uh, and some people, people have said, why didn't he use this power before? And I'm going to be honest here. I'm not sure Thor understood he had this power before he did it with the hammer. Because he did it with the hammer unintentionally. He unintentionally set up the hammer to give Jane powers. <clears throat> so my guess is maybe he realized he had the powers from that. And uh, that would also mean he's not quite as stupid as he appears. So I like that idea. Um, but like I said, he pulls a total Shazam here. <laughs> and the kids, and like that, so like that's, the kids, the kids being armed with their weapons is simultaneously a little bit stupid, but also totally makes sense within the context of Vikings. And uh, also is stupid in a really, really fun way. Like to see the kids going around battling with the lightning bolts, it's hard not to appreciate the funness of that, even if it is a little stupid. It's stupid in a fun way. And I can ex and you know, as a movie wins you over, you can start to accept that shit. There we come to the ending, which I don't have a I feel I feel mixed on the ending. I feel mixed on the ending because I called it. As soon as I knew as soon as I knew that as soon as I knew what Gore's plan was to kill the gods was by making that wish to erase them. There's a part of me that was like, oh, uh, he's going to wish for his daughter to come back. Now, in my head, now, now I had a thought, and I thought Taki Waitini might do it this way because he he's funny. I, I had a moment where I thought it would actually be that's what Gore was doing all along. And even it has a line in there at the end, like, what kind of father would I be if I stopped or if I didn't? And, like, I thought maybe, oh, is he going to make the wish on his own? And, like, they just misunderstood him this whole time, which just felt like such a Marvel thing to do that I thought maybe they were going to do it that way. Now, I don't get right. I, I anticipated the way it, it actually went down to, like, oh, Jane Foster's going to make him, remind him of the importance of love. I didn't realize she was going to do it by dying in Thor's arms, to be fair, even though... When she comes back with the hammer, there's a party that's like, I don't... Th oh, they're probably going to kill her. They're probably gonna, she's probably going to die of the cancer. Um, although, there was also a part of me that was like... There was a... I anticipated several endings. <laughs> I anticipated several endings, or at least several possibilities for an ending. Um, as we got closer to the ending. And, and I did have the thought, it's like, well... Is this last part going to be like a race to eternity and Thor is going to get there and wish Jane didn't have cancer before he can get there and wish the gods would die? That was another thought I had as well. You know, as you make predictions in a movie sometimes. Um, although I don't, I'm not really the type of person who tries to make predictions on where a movie is going. Um, but with this movie, I, I just started to feel it. I was like, oh, I bet, the, I bet one of these things is going to happen. But, uh, but yeah, no, I had anticipated the, the version where they get Gore to wish for his daughter as well. But ultimately, the prediction that he would wish for his daughter comes true. And I'm not going to lie, as much as I liked serious Thor, I'm down for Dad Thor. Let's do Dad Thor. I, I would watch the shit out of Dad Thor. You know what? Get, let Dad Thor 
Thor's Logan. There, there we go. Thor's old man Logan. Let's do it. Let's let's uh, let's let's do Thor the dad. Let's go for it. Let's let's do it. I'll see. I'll I'll totally watch that movie. Um. So so yeah. I don't know. Thor: Love and Thunder sounds like it's kind of a divisive film, and. I don't know what it is with divisive films. I swear to God, I'm not just trying to be contrarian. But, like, I am... I don't know why I enjoy movies that are divisive, okay? I don't. I don't. But I do like Thor Love and Thunder, to my kind of surprise. Maybe I'm just more used to Taika Waititi now. Maybe I, I to be fair, have rewatched Thor Ragnarok um, once or twice, and it once again I, I see it as a technically fine film, with the exception of the complaint of Hela. But I think I like this movie more. I think there's something I find more compelling about its overall story. Hella thing, I just didn't care. Was it fun when he was on Alien Worlds? Sure. But this film actually feels like something. It feels like it's about something. It's about Thor and Mighty Thor and their love story. That's told by a sentient pile of rocks. Well, I'm sure after I end this recording, I'll have thoughts I wish I had shared. But for right now, I'll just say, Thor Love and Thunder, I thought it was dope, at least on the first viewing. I guess I won't really know how good or bad of a movie overall it is until I've watched it at least one more time. Probably not in theaters, unless someone really wants to go with me. But, uh, overall, Thor Love and Thunder, after the, uh, sort of middling, uh, multiverse of madness, uh, Thor Love and Thunder is, uh, a solid Marvel film. Alright, if you enjoyed listening to this video, please, uh, please like or share this podcast with people you know who listen to podcasts. All righty. Everybody have a, a great uh, whatever, yo.